I think the fire service is doing a wonderful job of preparing engineers on the scene for the perfect world scenarios of, of being up to date on fire hose, on different technology changes with the fire trucks. But what if some of those perfect world scenarios are not perfect world? Enchanted Sky Media. 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 From Los Angeles, this is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service discussing firefighting strategy, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again here on Code 3. You are listening to the show for and about firefighters. Let's get started. Are you an engineer? Or maybe a chauffeur? Or perhaps an MPO? Regardless of the title, if you operate the pump panel on an engine, you need to know a lot of technical details to be good at your job. And the guys on the other end of the line are depending on you to know it. So how well do you know the way your apparatus operates? Many people with technical jobs are satisfied to be able to do well when everything's working right, but you don't really earn your pay until you come through when the situation goes sideways. Here to talk about what a great engineer knows is Paul Watlington. He's a battalion chief with the Burlington, North Carolina Fire Department. And Paul Wallington, welcome to Code 3. Uh, Scott, thank you for having me. I appreciate that. So there's a joke on the internet that always goes, I was told there would be no math involved. But this is a job that involves a lot of math. Are new engineer candidates sometimes surprised by how much they need to know? Well, I, I think it's kind of sensitive to the department that they're working. You know, obviously, if, you know, if your department strives to to be technical on the nozzle and view all of the technical aspects of what's going on in the in the fires that we're attacking and and the actual flows and all of the other technicalities of, of the nozzle and hose, then you know it does involve math and some of the basic math that that these firefighters or the engineers are actually using on scene. You know they kind of determine and the department kind of determines the complexity of it. Uh, you know many departments use uh, pump charts, which alleviate a lot of math, and then. You have some departments that uh, their engineers thrive on on actually using the friction loss formulas and and GPM formulas to to determine their own math or determine their own results from the math that they're using. You know, we on the fire ground most most fire departments are on the same page when it comes to thumb rules and pump charts to to alle- alleviate most of the, the calculations and math that that is required to be used. But and that's great, but I think it's very important that those engineers and those that are using that math know where those results come from. And there's constantly changes, constantly changes in, in fire hose. And, and, you know, you might have a new nozzle on the market that, uh, you know, gives you a different GPM at a different pressure and being able to, you know, know what, how that GPMs affects the, the friction loss in that fire hose, uh, in that particular hose. I mean, it's important. I think, you know, knowing where that information is coming 
really makes the difference. Well, to me, it's sort of like the idea that and everything is going right, an engineer looks like a hero. But if something happens, a piece of equipment fails, a gauge fails, then you suddenly have to be able to do things differently. And that's when you really earn your pay. Well, you know, I think about that a lot because, I mean, I, I've, uh, I've had the opportunity to do assessments and train with other other departments locally and you know not as locally as you know the state of North Carolina I've done some stuff in Virginia too but you know seeing how other departments operate we like to treat these scenarios uh, when we're pumping fire trucks when we're we're uh, operating as engineers on the fire ground as if everything was perfect I mean you know a lot of training is based around the actual fire attack and 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 the engineer or the pump operator gets to test their skills and knowledge as well but a lot of those evolutions that i've been you know that i've participated in in the past really have no adversity for the engineer to to have to work through so you know it kind of made me think a little bit different as 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 an instructor to throw in some of those adversities you know to prepare that engineer for things that are unforeseen you know supply line being jeopardized or or a hose line faulty hose line in the system where you got a hose that's busted or or uh pressure transducer on one of these new pressure governor trucks that are on the market today uh, goes bad. You know, how do you overcome those adversities? I think the fire service is doing a wonderful job at preparing engineers on the scene for the perfect world scenarios of, of day and up to date on fire hose, on different technology changes with the fire trucks. But what if some of those perfect world scenarios are not perfect world? You know, we've I've had particular incidents where I, I pull up to catch a hydrant. One of the hydrant caps is missing off of the hydrant. You know, what do you do? Something with a two and a half to shut it off. Put a nozzle on. Put a gate valve on. You know, hose line's busting. That hose line may very well be okay at 150 feet if you're using a 200 foot preconnect. So you just eliminate that one busted section. Well, does that pump operator know, you know, how to make those you know, reactive changes to that pump pressure? To you know, you're eliminating friction loss when you eliminate hose. So. Right. Now, that's important to know. The question is, are you finding ways to simulate these things in practice drills? I do. You know, a lot of times when we're evaluating uh, or preparing firing engineers, we do throw those adversities in. We, you know, we, we will take a cap off of a hydrant. You know, we will go to them and simulate their supply line, whether it be 4-inch, 5-inch, 3-inch, losing their supply line. You know, we'll go in and say, okay, your pressure transducer has just failed. You don't have those protections of fluctuation in your apparatus. You know, you have to switch to RPM mode. You know, the pump won't go into gear at all. We'll throw in that you'll have a discharge that does not work, but the hose line is actually pulled off of the truck. FDC is not operating correctly. You know, just throw in those adversities. And, and what that does is gets our engineers to think outside of the box and utilize other resources and and learn how to make those changes at a moment's notice because, I mean, everything's done at a sense of urgency on the fire ground. Everybody knows that from the nozzle all the way back to the decision-making in the command post. So one of those decisions or one of those uh, operating aspects of the fire ground is delayed in any way, and it affects everything. You mentioned pressure governors. Don't they have the same kind of a liability as an aircraft autopilot, which is you could become complacent? Well, I think one of the biggest things about pressure governors is understanding how they work so that you understand if in the event of a failure, how do you mitigate that adversity? So, yes, I guess a lot of people could look at the pressure governors as being putting the truck on autopilot. I mean, I've even had people say, hey, you can 
you can pump a pressure governor truck with one hand. Well, that's not necessarily true if you're doing it the right way. But <laughs> uh, understanding the failures on those and what happens when you have surges, what happens, what's the difference, what's happening inside of that truck when you activate the truck in PSI mode versus RPM mode. You, you put it back in RPM mode, you're basically making the, turning the truck back into uh, one of the conventional <laughs> manual throttle trucks that a lot of us came up on but you know without the pressure relief valve so under i think the biggest thing is is uh making sure that these engineers understand that there are still plenty of things that could happen to you know hurt your your operation when operating in psi mode and if those things do happen what can you do in a moment's notice to to fix it or or move to a different operation. Is that something you would expect engineers to train on? What if it failed? Well, I think they do because I mean, I'm, you know, there's so many there's so many things that can happen, and many of them will actually, you know, present themselves. I mean, a lot most of the pressure governors will will have like a digital screen on them if it if it says, you know, if you have a problem with your water supply or or problem with interlock, which means you know, the truck's not going into pump gear or or, um, you know, operator error, it's, it's, it tells you a lot. So when you're able to see that and understand, okay, if this is popping up on the screen, you know, I, I know in the back of my head what I need to do to overcome this obstacle. So I think you do have to train with those adversities with the pressure transducers when they went in PSI mode versus RPM mode. There, there are times where the truck needs to be pumped in RPM mode versus PSI mode and vice versa. But when operating in one of those modes, I think it's important to understand and train for those adversities. Again, going back to the sense of urgency, I mean, those nozzle crews inside of that house fire, that building fire, or what you have, they don't have that luxury. It's a safety issue. I mean, they could possibly go without the the adequate pressure to perform the the you know operations on the inside. Right, and at the fire ground is not the first time to be thinking, what should I do if this fails? No, 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 no. And I mean, that goes for training on anything. Well, yeah, yeah, but I mean, for years, what I've seen is people train on, as you mentioned, on the engineer position as though everything was going to work. Well, and that's, and again, I mean, that goes back to the training. I, I, I've, I've thought of this on... I guess kind of saying in my head when it comes to safety and survival on the fire ground with the firefighters, you know, we go in, we spend a lot of time in training, searching for victims, and that's great. You know, we the, you cannot train on that enough. But, you know, we, we always hear of falling back on the fundamentals. When all hell breaks loose, you know, fall back on your fundamentals and using those fundamentals to help you overcome adversities on the fire ground. Well, you know, if if we're training for, you know, all hell breaking loose, why not make that part of your fundamentals? Train on the adversities. You have to train on the things that you could possibly run into that are not in the perfect world scenario to be even more prepared. That just, you know, now you're operating still in an adverse situation with a sense of urgency and you're not, you know, backing up, you know, in a group trying to figure out how to work yourself out of this problem. There are going to obviously be, you know, situations that you do have to sit back and, think, okay, let's take what we know and let's overcome this. We've never seen this before. But if there's an opportunity to train on that, go ahead and throw that in. We do VES, okay? Well, instead of doing your vent inner search or, you know, go in and do your vent inner search, but while you're in there, simulate a possible down firefighter. You know, simulate, you know, other horrible things that could happen on that scene doing that drill and react for it, react from it. 
I'll be back with more right after this. Don't miss your chance to get your hands on the hottest logo wear around. Code Free Podcast Gear makes you look good and tells the world you're a fan. Now you can wear the Code 3 logo proudly. Just go to our website, Code3Podcast.com. Click the banner and you'll be able to order an assortment of cool apparel and accessories. And thanks for supporting the podcast that supports firefighters. How much time do you think an engineer can spend away from the pump panel on the fire ground helping other firefighters? Uh, I think it's actually sensitive to the scene. It's sensitive to your resources. It's sensitive to the department's policies. You know, I I personally prefer and I teach my engineers, you know, and other engineers that I interact with to, you know, the pump panel is your office. You know, you don't work in someone else's office. You work in your office. Now, if you need to step out of your office to do something, that's okay. But when things need to be done in your office and you're not there to do them, it's going to affect your overall operation. You know, when, it's, it's, it's not like a production line in a meal where production simply slows down. You've got people's lives on those nozzles. You have other things that you're responsible for that people's lives are in your hands. And you don't want to be away from that pump panel when you lose your water supply or when that hose line busts or when you know anything else that, that pops up that you have to instantly or immediately mitigate. You know, I've seen some some engineers step away from the pump panel to, to take a piece of equipment off of the truck, like a PPV fan or, or pipe pole, and that's okay. I mean, you're responsible for that, that equipment, but... You know, you don't want to be standing at the door operating that that PPV fan, and and you know you got nozzle firefighters inside of a house fire, and you're stepped away from the pump valve. And some some fire departments are real good about setting up a perimeter on a house fire, on a building fire, to where they, 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 they there is no traffic coming through the scene, so you don't have to worry about somebody running over your supply line or or any type of vandalism to a hydrant. Uh, I've I've actually heard of situations where hydrants are actually turned off by vandals or or bystanders just to see what would happen. People have weird, curious minds. You know, to, to be able to be there at that pump panel and reading those gauges, those gauges tell you a lot. You know, you can see perceptive you know, uh, drops on the pump panel, those drops on the, the discharge gauges. I mean, they tell you a lot. You see a, you know, a, a, a substantial drop in your intake. You know, it tells you a lot. You look in that most fire departments in, in the United States keep at least a, a 20 uh, 20 residual on their pump panel. Well, I mean, if something happens uh, on your intake, but if something happens and it drops down below 20, you've got to be there to do something about it. That takes discipline. An Air Force buddy of mine once used the phrase, people make excellent manipulators, but not very good monitors. And that's why I, you know, you'll hear people throughout the fire service say, are you a pump operator or are you a lever puller? I mean, I could teach my son how to pull a lever on a fire truck and make water come out of a nozzle. But can I teach him the technicalities of it, when and when not to do certain things, how you stand, how, how you are reading that pump panel and being able to tell what is going on on the inside of the house simply by watching gauges? You know, it's, it's, there's a difference in professional pump operators and, and lever pullers. And, you know, do we have both? Yeah, yeah, we got both. And sometimes it, it works okay. You know, in some situations to just 
pump a tight line, you know, pump, you know, give me pressure, give me enough pressure to water comes out of the nozzle. What's going to happen? The fire's going to go out. Okay. Well, I just, I, I result back a lot of times to, uh, to a quote in a podcast I was listening to, uh, with Dennis Laguerre, you know, Dennis, one heck of an instructor. Yeah, I've learned a lot of my stuff from Dennis, but Dennis, you know, looks at, uh, you know, yeah, the fire's going to go out. Uh, but if we, uh, we can capture ba- uh, you know, uh, bad practice as success, meaning that, yes, the fire's going to go out if water's put on it. But, I mean, do we know what's coming out of that nozzle? Are we delivering a sufficient amount of GPMs? Could we have done it faster? Could we have done it more safer, more efficient? Well, if you don't know that and you're not willing to, to, to know the technicalities of that position, then it's just there's a big difference. All right, Paul Wallington, thanks for joining me today on Code 3. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And we put some more information about the things a great engineer should know and do on our website at Code3Podcast.com slash panel. Check it out. Don't forget there are a couple ways you can support this podcast. Number one is you can buy a t-shirt. I think you'll like these. They look just like regular station duty wear, except that the Maltese cross is the Code 3 logo. The other way, of course, is to make a pledge at our Patreon account. Pledge $10 a month or more, and you get access to the Code 3 Bull Session. This is extra content that doesn't make the regular show, and only people who pledge $10 a month or more do get access to it. You can find both of these links over at Code3Podcast.com on the right sidebar. There's two big old buttons. Just click one and you'll be able to help support the show that supports firefighters. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code3. Thank you for listening, as always. I'll be back next time with more and I hope you'll be here. I'm Scott Orr and until then, stay safe. Code 3 is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To contact us, get more information on today's topic, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to Code3Podcast.com.